This summer, at the start of the WNBA season, a couple of players stood on the basketball court and made an announcement. We are dedicating this season to Brianna Taylor, an outstanding EMT who was murdered over 130 days ago in her home. Brianna the players Taylor put Brianna Taylor's name on their jerseys. They shared stories of Black women who've been killed by police. And they painted Black Lives Matter on the court. We are also dedicating this season to Say Her Name campaign, a campaign committed to saying the names and fighting for justice for Black women. Black women the players so expected some backlash, but they did not expect it from this person. U.S. Senator Kelly Loeffler is objecting to the WNBA's plans to honor the Black Lives Matter movement. Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler condemned players for dedicating their season to Black Lives Matter, which surprised players because she's not just a politician. She's also a part owner of The Dream, Atlanta's WNBA team. She owns part of Atlanta's WNBA team. Leffler has been co-owner of the Atlanta Dream since 2011. She wrote a letter to WNBA commissioner expressing her opposition to Black Lives Matter movement in response to the league. Right away, a lot of players started to speak out against the senator. Some went on TV. When our league is made up of 80 percent of black females, this directly affects us. Every single day when we take off those uniforms, we walk out into the world and we can potentially be... George Floyd. Shoot, we can be in our beds and be ground a Taylor. Others took to social media to express their frustration with Leffler, tweeting things like, how is she still an owner? Even the Players Union tweeted, enough, out. And what was your initial reaction when you saw the letter? It felt awful, you know? I think it, it was almost like a betrayal. That's Sue Bird. She plays on the Seattle Storm and just won her fourth WNBA championship. And yeah, she's a legend. Because our league has always stood for something more than, than just basketball. The WNBA is considered one of the most socially progressive pro leagues. Like even before Colin Kaepernick made headlines for taking a knee in 2016, WNBA players were getting fined hundreds of dollars for printing Black Lives Matter on their uniforms. So they wondered, why would Senator Leffler be so outspoken now? I feel like if you buy a WNBA team and you've owned a WNBA team for multiple years, you know this about our league. And it felt fishy. I'm Rima Jerez, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show for Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. At the end of the day, the WNBA is a workplace, just on a national stage. And this week, we look at what happens when players go head-to-head with a company owner during a high-stakes election. Then later in the show, how the players banded together for an entirely different workplace fight. So yeah, Georgia Senator Kelly Loeffler had written an open letter criticizing the WNBA's decision to dedicate their season to the Black Lives Matter movement. And that did not sit well with the players. I think initially everyone was, it was a combination of being disappointed, frustrated, a little bit confused. That's Elizabeth Williams. She plays center for the Atlanta Dream. It's because like you're the owner of a team in a league that's predominantly Black. So like, you know, the impact of saying something like that. The senator has been an owner of the Atlanta Dream for about a decade. 
When she goes to the games, you can find her sitting courtside. She's a white woman with long blonde hair. And politically, she's pretty conservative. Meanwhile, the team she co-owns has only gotten more progressive with time. In the letter, Leffler wrote, quote, The truth is we need less, not more politics and sports. Here she is in August explaining her stance during an interview on Fox News. This political organization that wants to defund the police, it promotes anti-Semitism and violence. It doesn't believe in the nuclear family. I mean, we're talking moms and dads. I said, how can the league support that? Let's stand for the flag. And in fact, the players have walked out during the national anthem. So I had to draw the line and I had to speak out. And the timing of all of this felt pretty convenient to players like Elizabeth and Sue, because Leffler she was running for a U.S. Senate seat. Like, we're not dumb. Like, we could put together that a lot of it was driven in Mm. politics. And it was just like, this doesn't feel right. Like, trying to politicize while simultaneously telling us to keep politics out of sports just didn't sit well with a lot of us. So right away, they knew they wanted to respond, to do something. But Elizabeth says they didn't know how. What are we going to do? Like, are we going to protest? Are we going to not play? Like, what does this look like? The Atlanta Dream thought maybe we could cancel our games. But then that would just detract from their message. Or maybe they could cover up the word Atlanta on their jerseys. Like, we're representing Atlanta, so, like, do we actually want to cover that up? At this point, the entire league was quarantined together in Florida for the season. So Sue says they got together and strategized. It was like all this kind of, probably within a couple days, where we all started to realize, like, oh, wait a minute. We're being used right now. Like, she wants us to get mad, because if we get mad, she can kind of publicly Mm -hmm. stand up to these WNBA Mm -hmm. players. Like, look at me, I'm standing up to them, telling them they shouldn't, you know, politicize sports. Because then we would come off as being, like, the super aggressive, like, angry, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. It's like, then then you all become the aggressors. Right. Which is what we're trying to avoid. So we just shifted our energy. They thought if Senator Leffler was going to insert herself in this issue during her campaign for a U.S. Senate seat, then why not actually get political? So they started to organize Zoom calls with people who could help, like Stacey Abrams, Michelle Obama. It was strategic for us to to figure out well, what could we do? Like, how can we make ourselves feel better in this scenario, but also not help her in her campaign? And that's when we found Reverend Warnock. Reverend Raphael Warnock was one of the candidates running against Leffler for the Senate seat. Players set up a meeting with him and learned that a lot of his progressive values aligned with theirs. And if he's elected, he'd be the first Black American in the Senate to represent Georgia. The WNBA players wanted him to beat Leffler, So they decided to publicly endorse him, like super publicly, by wearing Vote Warnock shirts during games. It ended up being like over 90 percent of players wore this Vote Warnock shirt for our first ESPN game. And so that just started this like massive, (laughs) massive movement. Players on the Chicago sky, Phoenix Mercury and Dream wearing Vote Warnock shirts. A political statement tonight from members of the Atlanta Dream. Some WNBA players are taking a stand against Atlanta Dream co-owner Senator Kelly Leffler by supporting her. And that was just the first part of their strategy. Elizabeth says they decided in interviews or in any media appearance 
to not say the senator's name. It's like the opposite end of the spectrum of what we're doing with Brianna Taylor, right? We're constantly mm-hmm. saying her name so that she's out there. So for our owner, it's like we're trying to do the exact opposite. Like we don't want to give her name any power. Right. If you notice, even now they refer to her as she or her or the owner. And we should point out that this is more complicated than winning or losing a seat. Because at the end of the day, Kelly Leffler's financial interests are directly tied up in the player's success. So even if she does lose the Senate seat, Leffler is still profiting off of the team. And so I think that that's part of the conundrum is like, what does it look like to quote unquote win? That's Amira Rose Davis. She teaches history and African-American studies at Penn State University and is also the co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And I think, unfortunately, you know, power is as power does. And whether Kelly Loeffler wins this election or not, she has, her, her brand has been enhanced by this. You know, it's a, it's it's a complicated battle, yeah. So the WNBA players started wearing those vote Warnock shirts in August. And his campaign says in just a few days, they raised more than $200,000. So eyes were on this, the special election, but not on the way they would have been without the WNBA's influence. Then finally on election day and the week that followed, well, you might have heard what happened. Georgia second race will be indeed a runoff. Neither candidate received enough of the vote for an outright win. That would have been 50 percent plus one additional vote. It does mean that we are going to have a potentially determinative Senate runoff in Georgia in January. Yeah, because this was a special election and there were so many candidates in the race, someone needed to get a majority of the votes to win. And that didn't happen. Reverend Warnock, he got more votes than Leffler. He got 33% of the votes, and Leffler got 26%. And now they're going head-to-head in a runoff in January. So the stakes for these runoffs are now super, super high, and the spotlight on, on this race is only going to grow. Right. The stakes are super high because this is one of two runoffs in Georgia that will determine which party has control of the U.S. Senate. We contacted Senator Leffler, by the way, for this story. But as of this recording, she hasn't gone back to us for requests for comment. Leffler argued that there should be less politics in sports. But when I talked with Amira, she made the point that because the WNBA is comprised of mostly Black and queer women, the league is inherently political. Like, I came across this one quote from player Misty Bass, and she said, as WNBA athletes, we are a walking protest at all times. And I think that plays into their activism because that same bravery that they brought with them when they wore black shirts or shut down a press conference or took a knee, all of those things are born out of this kind of unyielding sense of self as individuals and as teams and as a league. And that was not the first time this year that they stood up for themselves. Coming up after the break, their fight for more money.
Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Okay, Amira, can you just give me a sense, like before the negotiations, what was the salary difference between an NBA player and a WNBA player? Vast. So the average WNBA salary is about $75,000 a year. The average salary um, for the WNBA? Yes. The rookie in the NBA, on average, makes $820,000. And that's someone who, like, never even plays, probably. Right. (laughs) Right. Remember when I said the WNBA was a workplace just on a national stage? Well, for years, the employees in that workplace, the players, they've been unhappy about their pay. And last year, they decided to do something about it. Because while they've been crushing it on the court, That's it! The, LA Sparks have slain the, the players were fed up. I think that they were beyond fed up. And the thing is, for a lot of these players, playing for the WNBA isn't even their full-time job. Once their season ends, they get on a plane to live and play overseas. The life of a woman's basketball player um, is juggling playing in the WNBA and going overseas as well, because that's where um, you can get a lot of money, just to be blunt. (laughs) That was Sue Bird again. Some players can make even 10 times as much overseas. So it's no wonder Sue spent a decade playing in Russia. Paid maternity leave was another huge thing, because it wasn't guaranteed. I do know that players that have had kids, you know, but had to plan it like rocket science because they wanted to be available to play. That's Neka Ugumake. She plays for the LA Sparks and is the president of the Players Union. And they didn't want to feel as though they'd be penalized for, you know, for obviously not not having to play because of pregnancy. One player even got back on the court six weeks after giving birth. But it's not just about money. They didn't feel like they were set up to play their best. Like when they travel to away games, they share hotel rooms and cramp into commercial airlines that aren't always reliable. Like one team recently had to forfeit a game after dealing with 25 hours of delays. Meanwhile, the NBA cruises away on private jets. Just like any other union, the players negotiate for their benefits and pay, and they've typically been vocal about these issues. But Amira says it wasn't until this last decade, when men's sports started to see serious growth and bigger paychecks, that there was a real shift in the conversation around women in sports and their working conditions. So I think there's a bit more vocalization in saying this is not enough, this is not satisfactory. Like, actually put some respect on our names. So WNBA players opted out of their union agreement, which was set to expire last year, and demanded to negotiate new terms. In the past, the WNBA has argued it can't pay players more because it just doesn't have the money, that the WNBA doesn't bring in the kind of revenue that the NBA does. And the players, they get that. They're not asking to make Steph Curry kind of money, at least not right now. 
Instead, when it came time to negotiate, they were really focused on this other piece of compensation, revenue sharing. In the NBA, players get 50% of the league's revenue. But in the WNBA, players only get roughly 20%. So a lot of their arguments around compensation was saying, no, we're asking for an equitable revenue split, right? Mm -hmm. Which, as our league grows, would put us into a position to earn more. And right now we're being capped because we're not taking as much. There was another thing different this time around. The players were negotiating with a new commissioner, Kathy Engelbert. And from the very beginning, she made an effort to really hear players out. Even before Kathy was officially hired as the commissioner of the WNBA, she was meeting with the players' union. She traveled to all 12 teams to meet with the players and the owners to help build trust. And she came to them saying, hey, look, we have shared goals here, right? (laughs) Like, we have shared goals in in the future of this league and about what equity looks like and we've we just are not enemies it took months of going back and forth and look this didn't get solved overnight the negotiations were a culmination of years of players grievances but finally Earlier this year, on January 15th... Breaking news right here on GMA, which will change... Commissioner Engelbert went on Good Morning America to announce their new agreement. We came together, we collaborated, and we have what we think is a groundbreaking agreement that's going to include a tripling of the top players' pay, cash compensation. And it wasn't just top players who got a raise. The league agreed to a 53% increase in salary and compensation across the board. And NECA says that was huge. I don't think we truly realized the magnitude of what we did until until the day it was announced and then, you know, weeks thereafter. Like 53%. Yeah. It felt great. The league also agreed to put more money towards marketing to help bring in bigger audiences. And if the WNBA meets certain growth goals, then players will be set to get 50% of the league's revenue, just like in the NBA. They also got their full paid maternity leave. And on top of that, veteran players can get reimbursed for costs around adoption, surrogacy, and egg freezing. The players say, by no means is this the end of their fight for equity in the league. But... I think that that was really our biggest goal was to instill historical change in ways that sets an example for players that come after us. I always joke, I hope I'm like the disgruntled older player. Like sometimes you'll see these like older like NBA or NFL guys talking about, I didn't make that money. I'm like, I hope I'm that person because it means it worked. It means the WNBA is working and it's like Mm -hmm. thriving. All right, that is all for this week's show. If you want to hit us up, you can email us at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. Also, be sure to sign up for our newsletter if you haven't yet. This week, I have an update from Marilyn Hoffman, who you may remember from a few episodes back. She was facing eviction and making some tough decisions around housing. The newsletter drops Friday, and you can subscribe at marketplace.org slash newsletters. Okay, this is Uncomfortable as me, Rima Reis, Megan Dietry, Haley Hirschman, Peter Balanon-Rosen, and Camila Kerwin. 
Our intern is Daniel Martinez. Michaela Bly is our editor. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Drew Jostad is our audio engineer. Satara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, I'll catch y'all next week. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy.